This one should be pretty fun. Exactly as I predicted it, a Suns win over the Los Angeles Lakers. No surprise there. Taking care of business. We'll get into all of it right here on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member, a contributor to Dime Magazine, and a contributor to Suns.com. I'm going to fill you guys in on that later in the show, but uh, first off, you can find us everywhere you watch and listen, Spotify, Google, Apple, subscribe there, and... If you have not already, thank you for watching us on YouTube, but subscribe to our channel. Continue to help us grow. I want to give you things, and I will only do that when we hit the benchmark 750, 1000. We're headed there, so keep listening, keep subscribing, keep supporting, and that is the best thing you can do. You can follow us as well at LockedOnPHXSuns on Twitter if you have not already, as well as at BrendanClean14. That's me. We'll do the recap thing, as we always do it. 108.90, thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. It's a fun one. It's always a fun one when the Suns beat the Lakers. They've now done it twice in resounding fashion this season. They obviously, this era of Lakers basketball and this era of Suns basketball have a little bit of history already just in the past six months or so. And uh, it's fun to see it continue to go the Suns' way. We always like to start with the big takeaway. And in this case, I thought back to that, that playoff matchup because what I got confused by in the first round last season, you know, sort of a, a false seven seed, the Lakers at that time, right? They had the injuries throughout the season, both LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They were coming off of a title and somehow fell down to the seventh seed. Didn't feel like a seventh seed. They were favored in that series. But what I did not understand at that time was why the Lakers' size was thought to be such an advantage. Now, I know in their bubble championship, they played big, and that was part of why they were so good. But I always felt like the best thing about the Lakers in that series was their ability to go small. They eventually did that. Game three of that series, when it started to look really bad for the Suns, was Anthony Davis scoring like a monster and doing so against DeAndre Ayton, against Jay Crowder, and a spread floor around him. And it always felt like that was really, I mean, that's what makes this Lakers team the best that they can be. That's what they were in some of their better moments in the bubble. That's what they were when they were guarding Russell Westbrook, who is now their teammate. And so that's what scared me. It didn't didn't end up really happening because AD got hurt, LeBron wasn't himself, and the Suns were able to finish off LA in six games. But fast forward to this one. And no Anthony Davis, no Dwight Howard, who is in the health and safety protocol. And so it sort of required 
the lineup, the roster, it all made it so that the Lakers had to go small. But what was once a strength of the Lakers in this matchup, in this game, you know, again, understanding that AD makes a difference, but I don't think he changes everything, especially the version of him we've seen this year. And going small just did not work. It did not work even with fairly solid lineups out there, including uh, Trevor Reza, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, who actually did have a pretty solid offensive night in terms of scoring efficiency. Taylor Horton Tucker, who had a pretty bad night. But, you know, you can put some wing-heavy, pretty physical, run-it-down-your-throat types of lineups out there for the Lakers, and it still did not do that much damage. And so we always like to start with the big takeaway on these recap shows, and mine in this game is going small just does not have the same impact, the same effect, the same advantage that it did against last year's Suns. And I encourage people to go read Zach Lowe's piece over at ESPN from today um, about just the Suns' growth from the bubble until now. But one of the sections that jumped out to me reading that piece was the quote from Mark Bryant, the Suns' assistant coach and big man whisperer here, who said that that Clippers series last year was really a light bulb moment for the coaching staff, for the team, for DeAndre Ayton himself, because they knew that the Clippers going small was coming and it did not make a difference. I personally have referred many times in the past couple of months to uh, game three of that series where Ayton had basically a 2020 game and it was an 80-something to 80-something bloodbath of a basketball game, a typical conference finals type of just punch-out. And yet, Ayton was able to be the deciding factor in that game, despite small ball all around on the Clippers' side. And I think that that has continued, and you see it in so many places. So the obvious place is both Ayton and McGee had double-doubles, Ayton had 19 and 11. McGee had 10 and 10. The Suns out-rebounded the Lakers 53 to 47 in this game. But you also feel it in other ways. You feel it when the Suns are able to, let's say, you know, have a, a situation where Mikhail Bridges is attacking a closeout against Isaiah Thomas and is just able to get right into his mid-range jumper. You feel it when Devin Booker is able to rain down pull-up threes because he's dealing with bigger defenders on the perimeter who are so scared of him driving past them that they have to play back on him and then he just can pull up and put down a three. You have these blitzes where because teams are playing small, they feel like they have the best, you know, and not just because they're playing small. DeAndre Jordan to start the game was blitzing Chris Paul. And the opposing team feels like that's the best way to stop Chris Paul. Chris Paul ha himself has said that that's how he would defend himself if he was crafting a game plan. And yet, they these teams just don't actually have the size to stop the Suns on offense. And that's not even just about Aiton and McGee. It is about the lack of, you think back to that Nuggets series, and it's Aaron Gordon trying to be the backside help and not having the consistency there, not having the size across multiple positions to actually execute 
that scheme. And you saw time and again, finishes at the basket, whether it was the big men, whether it was Bridges, whoever it might have been of guys just having a complete size advantage, a complete mismatch against LA where they were able to just drop in easy shots over smaller defenders or taking advantage of bigger defenders. And all of those things combined, plus you throw in the fact that the Suns' defense is always going to be that much more sound because there's a big man on the floor. That's obvious. You put bigger people on the court, you're going to defend better in almost every situation. And, and it all adds up to a Suns' blueprint for beating small ball that is proving itself time and time again in this Lakers matchup, you know, started where you felt like maybe, okay, LeBron has it going. Russell Westbrook has it going. The threes are going in, in, uh, in, in bunches, you know, relatively speaking, Ariza, Anthony, some guys were hot to start the game. Okay. This could be interesting, but the Suns just have an answer for it. Ever since that Lakers series last season, the Clippers series, they have had an answer for it, and it doesn't look like teams are going to be solving it anytime soon. More positives to get to here as we make our way through the recap show. I also want to take you inside a piece that I had go up on suns.com today. I'll tell you about how that came together, what I learned reporting that piece on Mikhail Bridges. We'll get to all of it in just a second. Before we get there, though, do you want to know what makes LeBron James King James? Well, it's sleep. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Calm, the number one sleep app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important, and that's mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron to help you train your mind and become the championship version of yourself. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine, and he says... Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mine. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I wake up ready for any challenge. How do you think LeBron James survived that fall onto Jay Crowder's foot? That's pure, pure Calm effect. That's what it is. So if you head to Calm.com slash NBA for a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. Unlock content to help you focus, eat, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash LockedOnNBA. couple more positives here as we make our way through this recap show. Um... So interestingly enough here, I actually want to say that that the the other part of this that I, I think you have to acknowledge is the resiliency. And that's not something you necessarily say in a blowout, an 18-point win. That's not necessarily something you say uh, for a team that is 25 and 5. They they often they don't often need to be very resilient. But um, that's where I want to start here in terms of more of the positives tonight. We'll talk about Devin Booker too here. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Of course, the show would not exist without you. It would not stay free without you guys listening and supporting and subscribing. So thank you for helping to grow this show and keeping it a fun place to hang out and talk about the Suns. Resiliency though. So early on in this game, as I said, the Lakers actually had a lead 
They were making a game out of it. They were controlling possessions. They finished with fewer turnovers than the Suns. <clears throat> they were able to pounce a little bit early when the Suns' shots were not going in. And like I said, LeBron started out really well. There were also other moments through this game. Carmelo Anthony got ejected with two technical fouls. There was the LeBron James ankle situation. There was some chippiness. Um, I believe, who was it on the Suns that got a technical foul? Um, Booker looked like he was about to get called for one at one point. There was, there's always something going on with Jay Crowder. Chris Paul was in the mix. So it's not so much that the game was ever in doubt or that the Suns had to overcome something extreme on the court, but it was more so these Lakers matchups dating back even to last regular season before that playoff ser series ever even happened, this matchup has always been testy. It is bound to continue to be that way after the salsa dancing and everything else that we saw go down um, in the playoffs. So just being able to hang with that and and stay with the foot on the gas and then pull away late. Another game here where nobody really broke 30 minutes. Bridges and Booker did, but but just barely. But Aiton, Crowder, Paul, Cam Johnson, Campaign, all those guys were under 30 minutes. And we saw Jalen Smith and Ish Wainwright to close things out. So uh, definitely interesting there. And just nice to see that, you know, it doesn't have to always look the same. And this team is still going to figure it out. The other obvious positive to talk about from tonight is Devin Booker, who in his second game back continued to make his impact obvious. I'm looking forward to some of the um, net rating and other metrics finally, hopefully, starting to show the impact that Devin Booker clearly has on this team um, after being like a plus 20 or 30 the other night against, who do they play on Sunday? The team that they played on Sunday, Charlotte, uh, he is now plus 14 tonight and then 24, 9, and 7, a near triple-double, 6 of 11 from deep, making it uh, the second time in recent months that he has done that at Staples Center, obviously coming off of the Game 6 in the playoffs when he did that as well. So the three-point shooting is continuing, the playmaking is continuing, the way that he bends defenses and opens up the playbook for the Suns is picking back up where it left off and it's very clear that this team is at its best when he is in the lineup and is scoring and is spacing the floor and creating for his teammates and all of that stuff that that is undeniable but it is being reaffirmed yet again here with this couple of games where he is back into the lineup has to be an all-star I just feel like I have to say that um, it doesn't, it should not be an injury replacement. This man should be an all-star. The counting stats are going to be a little down because he, especially lately, I mean, he's been missed, he's missed time and then he's not been playing heavy minutes because of some of these blowouts, but it has to be, it has to be a regular bonafide all-star vote-in, no filling in for anybody else. Um, and that, that was the other obvious positive. It was, it was just sort of weathering the storm. Playing, be, playing patiently, making the run in the third quarter when you had the chance, and then the, the obvious impact of Devin Booker returning to the lineup. Okay, so a couple of things I want to hit on here. 
recap segment wise. So we'll do JaVale McGee's hit list. We already have another edition after the Hornets. And we'll talk about what the rotation's looking like right now. So we'll do all of that. And then I'm going to take you inside some of the Mikhail Bridges story that I was lucky enough to publish at suns.com today. So we'll do all of that. First, though, a quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the bowl season and the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for every sport this season. Head to the website, new website, actually, updated, premium, betonline.ag, set website or their mobile app, make an account today, and when you do, Use, your, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. From basketball to football playoffs to even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout 2020, throughout 2021 and into next year. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available across the website. Bet online where the game starts. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better, that's Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but best of all, amazingly low in calorie, sugar, net carbs, and fat and loaded with protein. You get the best of both worlds with a Built Bar. Delicious and healthy. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel as we make our way through close to the finishing line for the holiday season. Last minute shopping, you're running around visiting family, whatever it might be, get that boost that you need from Built Bar. The extra fuel to get you through the week. And if you want to cozy up with something warm, Built Bar recommends dipping that bar in a little bit of coffee, maybe a little bit of hot cocoa, flavor up your drink, melt that Built Bar a little bit, make it a little softer, squishier, chewier, more delicious, two-in-one, best of both worlds. That's the kind of thing you can do with the Built Bar. There's flavors for everybody, new flavors all holiday season long, so go to Built.com, peruse, find your old favorite, try something new, whatever it might be, and when you make your purchase, use the promo code LOCK15 at checkout. To get 15% off your next order, that's promo code LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off your next order. couple more things to get to wrapping up this 108-90 Suns victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. Benchmob vibe check, let's start there. Um... Alfred Payton did not play in this game is the the most succinct way to put this. And after he played 16 minutes the other night, I prognosticated that Monty would soon be going back to a nine-man rotation. My assumption here is that Monty went into Sunday night's game, which was Booker's return to the lineup, not knowing if Booker would be able to play his normal minutes or if he might have to, you know, tread lightly a little bit with Booker's hamstring. But Booker was able to play, was able to play at full go, told us post-game that he hardly even thought about it. And so Monty was stuck playing Peyton because that was the plan heading into the game in case Booker needed to take it easy, but he didn't. So Peyton just played these weird minutes sort of at the like on the wing, 
They were not good. He had six combined turnovers and fouls in like 16, 13 minutes, something like that. So he did not play tonight. The Suns are back to their nine-man rotation. You're going to see Johnson, McGee, Payne, and Shamit all get 20-plus minutes every single night would be my assumption here. And that's totally fine because all four of those guys are playing really well right now. Um, Payne had the weirdest... He had a 10-5-5, which is a pretty good box score stat line, but he was 2-13 of from the field, and yet I feel like I would still say he had a good game. So... Uh, Those guys are all playing pretty well. They all have their rhythm right now. And that's that's where things are going to land. And so um, nine-man rotation, everybody knows their role. There's still one more spot in that rotation, the Nader spot, which can be filled by a buyout, maybe a trade. We'll see. But I think that those nine are going to be the guys we see Monty roll with from here on out, barring a big addition. Bench brings us to JaVale McGee who scored 10 points, had 10 rebounds, talked about him a little bit in the beginning about not being able to go small, but he has officially added another team to his hit list. And it's not a coincidence. Those things clearly go hand in hand. Teams seem to think that they can play small against the Suns. Teams also seem to be undervaluing the center position right now. And that seems very, very odd based on what we have seen in the past couple of seasons, whether it is Nikola Jokic whether it is even Giannis, whether it is DeAndre Ayton himself last season, there are big men, there are big scoring, uh, dominating, difference-making players on every team, and yet you have teams like Charlotte and uh, like the, the Lakers who seem to think that going small is fine. I understand Anthony Davis is out. I'm just going to give that caveat one more time. I know, and so is Dwight Howard, but... DeAndre Jordan is not playing well. The Lakers don't have a lot of size and depth at the big man spots, and JaVale McGee took advantage. Another team on his hit list that's back-to-back games where he is adding these teams. So it's Charlotte, it's Los Angeles. We'll see if he can add any more as things progress here during this season. Wanted to close things out, though, with some thoughts here from uh, my piece on Mikhail Bridges for sons.com. That is uh, something that I had been, I guess I teased it yesterday a little bit, but um, it's a new opportunity, obviously, for me. I have written at Bright Side of the Sun in the past. I'm sure many of you read me over there. I have written at Dime Magazine. I've written all over the place, but I have never written for something like this before. So it was a new opportunity. The Suns came to me when Gina Mizell moved on and she obviously is over at the Philadelphia Inquirer, but she had been writing pieces for them. And basically they're going to go to a freelance model. So shout out to Trevor Booth, who is also doing some of this work over there with me. But the idea with this piece, which is called Elevated, um, it's at suns.com. You can just literally go to suns.com slash elevated and it will be there for you. Um, it was just me wanting to tell the story of how Mikhail has grown, come kind of come into his own as a player, as a leader, and obviously with a nice new extension to cap off his development. Um, I think he's a player, he's a player who I wrote about back at Bright Side of the Sun, one of his first seasons in the league, and I got to talk to his high school coach, one of his college coaches, 
Got to sit down one-on-one with Mikhail himself, but I hadn't really come back to Mikhail, and he is such a fascinating guy where he is tends to be pretty quiet in the media, but like I said, has started to come into his own, and I think we do see bits and pieces of that, whether it's the dances with his teammates, whether it's some of the, the faces and expressions that he makes on the court that we all love, um, or you know, joshing and jeering and poking fun, joking around, screwing around about um, the Rams, right? Like the, the rivalry between the Cardinals and the Rams. And so there are these ways that we've seen it start to peak out. He's growing as a player on the court in this unique way where he's not necessarily taking on more offensive duties and this and that and all the stuff we maybe would like to see or expected to see, but yet he is still breaking out in his own way and maybe on his way to an all-star berth. We'll see. I mean, it's not out of the question. So you know, we've talked about the defensive player of the year and all these different stuff. So that's what I wanted to do. I was able to talk one-on-one with Mikhail a little bit. I pulled some quotes from Monty throughout the season. And then I also, the coolest part was I got to sit down with, um, sit down. I mean, it's so much is virtual and calls at this point in time, uh, even for the return of in-person media, that tends to be where things get put. So I got to talk on the phone with Brian Randall, who's been an assistant the past couple seasons with the Suns. And then uh, Ricardo Foyce, who is actually over at U of A now, he joined up with his former coaching teammate, Tommy Lloyd, who was hired from Gonzaga, where Foyce started. They were on a staff together. Lloyd now is the head coach at Arizona, and then Foyce is an assistant there. Got to talk with him because he was one of the guys that worked most closely with Mikhail prior to leaving for U of A. So, Some of the interesting quotes, and I would love if you guys could go check it out. I mean, obviously, the more readership on something like that, the more they'll get to the more they'll let me get to do stuff like this going forward. Um, And I I think it turned out pretty well. But the quotes that really jumped out to me and the ones that I knew I had to include were the ones that, you know, from these people who really see Mikhail every day and, and see the impact that he has we're able to kind of put into words what his value really is. So I'm not going to bore you guys with reading a bunch of stuff, but um, one of the ones that really jumped out to me was uh, from Foyce was, I asked him like, you know, how, how do you measure success? What's, what is the next step for Mikhail look like, you know? Because we all talk about it a lot, and, and I'm sure he has goals that he's working toward as a player, but what you know, what does that really look like for him? And, and he said, I mean, it was the money quote that I think put the whole thing into perspective, was success for Mikhail, what Ricardo would see as progress for Mikhail Bridges would be, um, when, he said, winning four or five NBA titles. And he said the reason that that would be success for Mikhail is because he knows for a fact that if Mikhail wins four or five titles, it will have a lot to do with what Mikhail did for those teams. Like he is just that type of glue player and um, can't can't disagree. I mean, it's one of the, the last things you would talk about necessarily, but Mikhail came off of this incredible game two in the NBA Finals last year. 27 points, he's making all these threes. It looks like the Suns are gonna come away with an NBA championship and then he's really quiet And in that last game, he's, um, I believe, like two of seven from the field or something like that. He had four fouls, was not himself, did not make an impact on the game the way that he probably had hoped. And, you know, that can 
change a player, but it also is no coincidence that this team plays incredibly well when Bridges is at his best and, and struggles when he's at his worst. And so I tend to agree. The other part that I think I will read here um, is I asked Brian Randall, what do you point to, you know, that highlights his value on the floor? And I put it in the context of like, when you're in a film study with the team or you're, you're talking about Bridges' game with Bridges himself, like, what do you look at? And he said here, here's the quote. We ask him to guard the best player and chase him around while also communicating coverages and responding to coverages. And then we say, hey, make some shots too. Sprint and transition. You see so many things that it's the cumulative of all of them that to me is like, what am I supposed to do? As, As soon as I see one clip, he goes and makes another clip. And then there's another clip. And I'm going to go one step further. That makes it contagious because we can talk about him, but then he has an effect on other guys as well. Randall continued, it's really his night in, night out consistency. If you're going to point to something, that's what you point to. You point to not a block, not a shot made, not a steal, not a deflection, not anything else. You take the whole of his career thus far and how he's gotten better and how he's produced and you go and look at his career, not one game missed and that's Mikhail Bridges. And I don't know a better way to put it. So I know I usually in this last segment, I often talk about Bridges and you know, how many shots did he take? The Bridges breakout watch was something I did last year a lot. There's always something to talk about with him, but uh, that to me, I mean, I who am I to, to try to analyze any of this when Brian Randall has it for you right there, when Ricardo Foyce has it for you right there. And so uh, that was really fun to put together. I think I have another Suns player profile coming soon on another young guy on this team. So I'll let you guess who that might be. But um, it's going to be fun to continue to put these together. Again, that's suns.com slash elevated. So check out that story. It really mean, it would mean a lot. Share it. Send it to your Suns fan friends, whatever it might be. Um, and I'll keep talking about them on the show as I do them. So that'll finish us up today, guys. Off day edition tomorrow. Who knows what we'll talk about? I'll, I'll find something. I'm sure we will. I actually want to talk about Cam Johnson a little bit and Maybe some of the new on-court wrinkles that we've seen for this team. Check in on that a little bit. Lots to come. Thanks for making Locked on Suns your first listen. I will be back tomorrow and then closing out the week, a holiday weekend edition for you, recapping Suns Thunder, which will be Thursday night. So looking forward to that, and I will talk to you soon.